Today's episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Michael Beller. It is Friday, March 27th. It is the second day of the regular season based on the original schedule. And Beller, it has me just hungry for box scores. It has me wanting to flip through page after page of stats and just absorb anything that I didn't get to watch yesterday. So to be completely honest, I am looking for my box score fix. And I think I found it. Uh, Al Melkier brought it up on Fantasy Baseball on 15. Stratomatic is simulating the 2020 season, and they're kind enough to produce complete box scores from every game on the schedule. And I got to say, I opened up the Cubs-Brewers box score from what would have been opening day. I was happy with the result, (laughs) and I was even happier just having detailed numbers to pour over, even though they're not real. I hear you, man. I actually didn't know that uh, that Stratomatic was doing this until you uh, sent it over to me. So I was not quite so happy with the result. Listeners out there, uh, I'm a Cubs fan. Derek is a Brewers fan. So uh, we would have been going head-to-head as fans uh, in this, uh, what should have been the opening series of the season. Stratomatic gave the uh, Brewers a 7-4 to victory on what should have been opening day. Really rough day at the plate for Javi Baez. 0-5. for would not have liked to have seen that out of him on opening day. But even though it was a loss for the team that I cheer for, it was fun to look over this box score and pretend like these were things we actually saw play out on a baseball field. It's just nice to see numbers in a familiar format attached to names that we know and imagine what we would have been feeling if this were something that actually happened that we were able to see. The other cool thing that the Stratomatic Sim does is it generates a game summary at the bottom, so you get a few sentences about what happened, like Keston Hira homered and had three RBI. Um, so in my head, I'm just picturing Keston Hira hitting a home run in this game, probably to right center field. He's awesome. He hits the ball all over the <laughs> ballpark. Uh, so it was a bomb. It was, it was 430 feet. It was up near the uh, old Toyota Tundra territory in my mind. So that, that's all that matters, right? <laughs> I, I'm going to say, I think, I, I don't, David Ross didn't uh, announce who was going to be the Cubs opening day starter before everything went to hell. Um, but I think that it would have been Kyle Hendricks. And we've got you Darvish as the starter here. I just feel like Ross feels to me like the sort of guy who would honor tenure and honor a player's overall contributions to his franchise, especially when there isn't an obvious opening day starter, as I think the case would be for the Cubs. So you look at these at the five guys who are going to be in the Cubs opening day rotation. For me, Kyle Hendricks would be the guy that you tab as the opening day starter. So I wouldn't get too excited about this Keston Hira mythical homer to right center that you're seeing in your head, DVR, because I think <laughs> Hendricks is in there, and then it's a totally different ball game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think... <laughs> I think Keston Hero would have taken Kyle Hendricks deep <laughs> as well. But yeah, full simulations for all the games out there, so you can click through them. Uh, if you go to the Stratomatic homepage, uh, it's the 2020 season simulation. There's dashes between 
each part of that if you do the URL manually. We'll try to drop the link in the description and hopefully make it easy. I retweeted it already from my Twitter account. So definitely check that out. There's like a full write-up of the entire day as well. But what I really did on Thursday is I made a point to rewatch a game from last year. I didn't have time to watch it in its entirety, which is it's weird to say you don't have time for anything in particular in our current state in isolation. Uh, but it was a full work day. And what I've been doing, I don't know if this is the case for for you and for other people out there, Beller. I've been scheduling times to kind of like meet with friends online. Like the times we would have spent in person doing whatever we would do, either dropping somewhere for dinner or uh, just, just hanging out at someone's house and playing board games. It's now like blocked time in the schedule where we fire up Zoom and just kind of like video chat for a while and see how everybody's doing. Yeah, doing the same over here. I did it last weekend with my uh, group of friends, got together and played uh, some board games virtually over Zoom. This weekend, one of my good friends, is, uh, his birthday is on Sunday the 29th, so we're all getting together again on Saturday to celebrate that with him the way that we can. Uh, it's, uh, I think, a good commentary on our spirit, and not, not our being me and my friends, but the collective are, uh, that we are finding ways to, to stay connected with one another uh, via Zoom, via all the technologies that we have available to us, and all these old sports that are being shown. I mean, part of it makes me sad, DVR, because I wish that we were watching the new ones for real and not having to dig back into the archives to watch old games. Yesterday should have been a really great sports day. I've been trying not to focus on that too much on the sports things that we're missing because it just gets me down. But yesterday should have been opening day as well as the first set of Sweet 16 games in the NCAA tournament should have been a really fun sports day. But these old games are another way to uh, tap into your friendships and and watch a game with someone uh, even though it's not the game that you thought you were going to be watching or hoped you were going to be watching. Yes, yeah, so I rewatched parts of the opener between the Brewers and Cardinals last year. For those who don't remember that game off the top of their heads, Lorenzo Cain pulled back what would have been a game-tying home run with two outs in the ninth to preserve a 5-4 win. And I watched the end, of course, the ninth inning. But I also watched the, the third inning rally. Christian Yelich hit a big three-run home run on opening day last year, too, and it... it it just made me feel good, whereas I, I know MLB did a really good job of loading up the various platforms with games all day long. Like if you if if that was your way of feeling like it was still opening day, awesome. I, I'm glad they did it. Um, I didn't go down that rabbit hole yesterday. I'll get there. I'll, I'm going to go through all sorts of things. I'm going to go through old playoff games. I'm going to go through old random games. Um, I'm going to probably rewatch Freddie Peralta's big league debut at Colorado on Mother's Day from 2018 at some point because I just want to watch things that make me happy. But what did you end up doing uh, on opening day to make it kind of feel at least a little bit like baseball season was here? Well, yeah, I did. Uh, I did similar things to you. I went back and uh, just looked through uh, the Cubs archive and was looking for some of my favorite games. And I actually went a little bit uh, farther back to a game from uh, the 07 season and Aramis Ramirez walk-off homer game uh, that was immortalized on a Sports Illustrated cover. It was sort of the announcement of the Cubs being a, a very good team in that 07 season, and uh, that uh, that's a homer that always sticks out in my brain as one of the ones that 
you really remember the moments that you watched live that you actually remember happening and where you were as they happened. And that home run is one that I always think about as some of my as one of my favorite Cubs moments. So I went back uh, to that one and watched uh, again, not like you, not uh, not the game in its entirety. Didn't have the time, but uh, made sure to catch the big moments of that one. That Aramis uh, walk off homer is something that always uh, sends chills down my spine. So I checked that out. Um, and just to your point of people trying to make it feel like opening day uh, as much as they can, I went grocery shopping yesterday and I couldn't believe how many people were decked out in either Cubs or Sox gear at the grocery store as though it was really opening day. There were people in, you know, double double doing it with uh, with a Cubs hat and a Cubs shirt or a White Sox jersey. It was uh, it was fun to see even though it was not again the way that we wanted it to be. Yeah, I was wearing a Brewers hat all day yesterday. I had had to do that. It was it was just like an, an easy call as I was getting ready uh, to sit down at my computer and do work. I'm like throwing the cap on today. I'm not going anywhere, but throwing the cap <laughs> on today because it's opening day. Uh, but we have a, a project that we are working on. Thanks to our, our friend, you know, Saris, uh, the staff at The Athletic has a 30-team out-of-the-park simulation that we're going to begin. I think the first games are going to start running on Sunday night, uh, mostly because you can simulate games in any number of ways. You can do them one at a time. You can do them by the week. And a few of us, a lot of us, I think, are actually new to that particular sim, but it's the first time that I've ever really even been able to dive into it. And uh, I'm running the Padres in this simulation as the, the GM and manager, and you have your beloved Cubs. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the experience so far and, and maybe different things we're going to do as we try and, and win World Series titles you know, virtually in the weeks ahead. So I'm curious, I mean, as someone who has been a lifelong Cubs fan, there are probably a few things that you disagree with about the immediate direction of the franchise probably as it pertains to Chris Bryant maybe and how he's handled so what what are your priorities as uh, the new front office for the virtual Cubs yeah well we're not going to be trading Chris Bryant I'll tell you that much uh, it's something I fear that the Cubs would have done had his grievance issue been settled earlier in the offseason uh, that's not going to be happening this is the sort of guy that you should be building around still uh, very uh, young in his career probably in the middle part of uh, what is going to be what has already been and will continue to be a successful career so we're going to be looking to extend uh, Chris Bryant in this version of Cubs baseball not looking to trade him for prospects we want to build around this guy we want to Still build around what can be a winning core. Uh, the the championship window hasn't necessarily lengthened uh, the way that I think a lot of Cubs fans thought it would after uh, the NLCS appearance in fifteen and the World uh, Series title in sixteen, but. Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, Contreras, that is still certainly a winning core to build around and still maybe a younger core than people realize. Anthony Rizzo, the oldest guy in that group, and he's just in his age uh, 29 season. So still a very young group of players uh, that you can build a winning team around. Maybe not the same sort of prospects that they had at one time. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, Gleyber Torres, obviously we know those guys got shipped out uh, one to help build a championship and Torres going to the Yankees, one to hopefully uh, build another championship winner with Jimenez going to the White Sox and the Jose Quintana deal. That one hasn't quite come to fruition just yet, but uh, this is still a core that we can build around. Uh, it's one that uh, the Cubs haven't necessarily tacked on too much to in recent years, but uh, the athletic out-of-the-park Cubs, they're definitely going to be trying to build around this core, keep it together into their 30s, and see if we can't get another World Series championship to the north side. 
Yeah, I mean, you can try and pull what the Giants did, win three titles in, in five years. It won't be quite that tight of a window, but that's the core. That's the quality of the core that I think the Cubs have put together. I mean, I think they are good enough. I think the biggest challenge that team faces in real life and that you would face in the sim uh, is what you mentioned with the prospects. You don't have a lot of young, controllable players to move to continue to improve the roster. So I think you have to be a little bit creative maybe in how you go about that. With Bryant specifically, I feel like the market as a whole, this fantasy baseball season has been really down on him relative to where they should be. And a lot of it kind of comes from some of the underlying stat cast numbers in particular. Like that's the first argument against Chris Bryant is that the exit velocity and hard hit numbers were well below average. He was in the 23rd percentile in exit velocity in 2019, 25th percentile in hard hit rate. But yet he still hit 31 home runs last year and hit 282. So even though the X stats had him at like 246 with a 460 X slug, he was better than that. 282 and 521 in actual batting average and actual slug. He's always had uh, the ability to draw walks. The swing and miss we saw earlier in his career has really faded. Like That's not a problem at all. He's had a four-year run where he's been... Uh, under 25% with his K rate. He even had one season in 2017 where he was under 20%. Uh, so when you look at Chris Bryant, do you think that 2019 is kind of the, the high end, as good as it gets at this stage of his career? Or do you think there's still an MVP caliber player there? Because if you believe the latter, he has the potential to return you know, second round value in fantasy leagues, even though he comes at a fifth or sixth round price tag in a lot of drafts. Yeah, I believe the latter. He was a guy who I've been targeting aggressively in drafts before everything shut down. I have one uh, auction remaining. Unfortunately, he's a keeper in that league. So uh, I've got all the Chris Bryant that I'm going to have this season. But I do think that he's someone who uh, can get back to that MVP production level. And if uh, you'll bear with me a second, I, uh, I got to pull up uh, something that I wrote about him before everything uh, went on hold. Because I think that that shoulder injury from 2018 uh, really, uh, not only did it kill his 2018, but it lingered, I think, into 2019. So go back to last year, May 5th the last year, he was hitting 234, 371, 421. Uh, from that point forward, he was just excellent. He had a home run on May 6th, on May 7th, on May 9th, on May 12th. Uh, he had 294, 384, 546 with 28 homers the rest of the season. So we're talking from the first week of May on. This dude hit 28 homers with that sort of slash line. Now, I didn't make this happen. Conveniently, if you take his pre-shoulder injury stats from 2018 and add them to the po- the, the, that, uh, that timeline I just laid out, the post-May 5th stats of 2019 – you get exactly 162 games DVR. It was divine intervention that this happened. And in that 162-game stretch, 293, 398, 547, 36 homers, 40 doubles, and 11.5% walk rate. That's Chris Bryant. That's the Chris Bryant we knew his rookie year, his MVP season of 2016, and what we saw sandwiched around that really damaging shoulder injury. It was his left shoulder. You and I have talked about this uh, a number of times, and anyone who uh, follows baseball close enough that they're listening to this podcast knows that lead shoulder injury is just killer at the plate. A back shoulder injury, a throwing shoulder injury, obviously that's going to hamper what you do in the field and your ability to play if you can't play the field, but you would much rather have a back shoulder injury as a hitter than a lead shoulder injury, and that's what Bryant had. He had the lead shoulder injury, and that's just going to take some time to get over, not only to the point where you're able to play, but to the point where you're back to being yourself. I think we saw Chris Bryant become his self again in that uh, May 5th and on stretch 
of 2019. That was the player I expected to see for the full 2020 season. That is the player I think we will get for whatever ends up being the full 2020 season, if there is a 2020 season, and the player who I think he still is going forward in his career. I have a ton of faith in this guy. I think knocking him for his X stats is putting a little bit too much weight on those stats. Uh, we know that it's the sabermetrics and the pure scouting, the traditional scouting. You want a combination, a blend of those to really get to who this player is. I'm not putting quite as much weight into those X stats because, as you said, as bad as the X stats were, the real stats significantly outperformed it. And with what his track record was going into the 2019 season, I think we need to give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe the X stats were wrong and the real stats were more right, more representative of who he is right now. I think one of the other fun things here is you think about this from like a sim perspective and from a fantasy perspective. We're going to try and make this helpful to people and engaging. Yep. It's going to be be fun to do both. Um, second base is an area of, you know, I don't know, a lack of clarity, I guess you'd say, where you just don't really understand what exactly the Cubs are going to do. What are you going to do? What's your choice with Nico Horner, Jason Kipnis, David Bodie being among the options there? And I'm leaving Ian Happ out of the conversation at second base, mostly because I think he's a big part of the plan in center field. But if you kind of see him as more of an option at second, you know, obviously feel free to pull him in there. But what do you do at second base and who do you like out of that group? Yeah, um, we're going to leave Hap out of that mix as well. The glove hasn't played too well at second base in his career, and he's a very athletic guy, has uh, taken well to the outfield. So Ian Hap's going to be mostly the uh, everyday center fielder for this team. We'll, we'll work Albert Almora in uh, against lefties. Uh, you like to have his glove out there every now and again. Um, the new manager of the Cubs, the OOTP manager of the Cubs, being me, uh, thinks that outfield defense can be a little bit overvalued. I, th- I feel like 99% of outfielders make 99% of plays, and you don't want to put too much weight on an outfielder's glove. Uh, but at second base, it's going to be a pretty pure split between uh, Kipnis and Bodie, uh, a pretty pure platoon split with Kipnis on the long side, a lefty getting the start against righties, Bodie on the short side, the righty getting a start against lefties. I thought Kipnis was a really nice signing for the Cubs, uh, a veteran presence, uh, something that David Ross was able to provide this team when he was uh, the catcher, John Lester's personal catcher back in the 2016 World Series year, something that it seems like the team has hinted at lacking without coming right out and saying it since Ross retired. So now you get Kipnis, uh, a guy who is, you know, getting into his mid-30s, who has been around, who has been on some really good Cleveland teams uh, in the earlier part of his career on that 2016 World Series AL pennant winning Cleveland team, uh, of course, and had a nice performance in the World Series. So I thought that was a really shrewd signing uh, for a team that was not operating with a a ton of leeway uh, from a budgetary standpoint this offseason. He brings another left-handed bat to the team, a pretty reliable glove at the second base position, and someone who you don't have to go back too many years, DVR, to find some really good offensive season. I think even if those uh, years are out of reach for Kipnis, you still get a really nice platoon partner for David Bodie in second base, uh, which was a position of weakness for this team last year. Now could be a strength if you're talking about Kipnis versus righties plus Bodie versus lefties. You might have a pretty nice second baseman in those two guys. So uh, that's how this uh, athletic OTP Cubs team is going to be approaching the position. 
So Nico Horner to AAA to begin the season. Nico Horner going to get a little bit more seasoning at AAA. And it's strange. It feels like he has, he is not as important to the 2020 Cubs as he was to the 2019 Cubs, especially after Javi Baez went down with the injury and they just didn't have really any infield depth uh, because of the injuries that this team had suffered at that point. Not, not going to be the case this year. Obviously, you can move uh, Hap into the infield if and when you need to. Steven Souza gives you another guy uh, to plug into the outfield, and he's another guy who I'm interested in uh, in rolling out there uh, against lefties, uh, get his power into the middle of the lineup. But it feels like a team that has a little bit more flexibility. So while Horner maybe is himself more ready, the team is less needy of him right at the start of the 2020 season. Yeah, I look at the other spots in this depth chart and you know center field like I mentioned it's Ian Happ's job to lose are you buying into the improvements he showed with his plate discipline during his time with the Cubs a year ago yeah, I really am. And another guy, I've talked about this quite a bit with uh, our colleague Al Melchior on Fantasy Baseball in 15, uh, that we need to give young guys opportunities to struggle at the major league level. Now, you can't give them leash forever, but you do need to let them be who they are and learn and learn from their own mistakes. There are very few Juan Sotos in the world who just come up and they're Babe Ruth from day one. Uh, that just doesn't happen all that often, and we shouldn't be you know, writing obituaries for players because they struggle in their first taste of the majors at age 23. And that was the case for Ian Happ, and I think you take a lot of encouragement from the fact that he made the mistakes he made, he took the feedback uh, that he got from his, from his coaches and from the Cubs front office, he uh, took the pain of being sent back to the minors very well and worked on those weaknesses that he showed at the major league level in the minors, and then he comes back to the majors, and a lot of them have been improved. Now, they're still there, and some of those fleas are never going to go away from Ian Happ. He's probably always going to be a swing-and-miss guy. He's going to be a guy who probably has a relatively high O-swing rate compared with the rest of the league. He's going to be a guy who chases, but he's mitigated those bad things, and that is letting his strengths, uh, his athleticism, his ability to hit for a ton of power, uh, his ability to draw walks, those are now shining through. So I think that the real-life Cubs should be treating him as their everyday center fielder. He has the athleticism to play the position. He's a switch hitter, so don't really worry about platoon splits with him all that much. Um, and this is someone who can be one of those guys. You talk about a team that uh, is devoid of a ton of organizational depth and talent down in the minors. Ian Happ is one of those guys who we're not quite yet including in the core, but maybe becomes a new part of the core uh, based on what he does this season. So Ian Happ, he's going to be out there for me every single day. Yeah, he might be maybe the older part of the second wave. Maybe Horner becomes that kind of player at some point as well. Uh, it kind of depends if he develops the power that some people think he can develop, but it just hasn't really shown up much in game situations yet since they drafted him. The pitching staff is where I think things are, are tricky for the Cubs this year and, and for you in, in the sim as well. You uh, Darvish stopped walking people in the second half of, of 2019. I didn't see that coming, but it was it was amazing to watch that play out. And he is a true ace. I think Kyle Hendricks is very stable. Uh, if he's not a true number two starter because he doesn't strike a lot of guys out, whatever, he's a three, but he's, he's good and he's reliable. I think the biggest questions in the rotation are the two veteran lefties uh, in the sense that you know the number five starter role for most teams is a crapshoot, so Chatwood and Mills and Cotton and whatever else they can do there. That's, that's not abnormal, but whether or not Jose Quintana and John Lester still have something left in the tank is going to say a lot in how successful the Cubs are this season. 
agree wholeheartedly, DVR. I mean, that's really the, to me, almost the, I don't want to say the sole question mark, but it's the one that could hold the team back, um, it, right? If, if, if the bullpen where you can maybe have some questions about this team is the weakness, then they're going to be fine, I think. Um, but if Quintana and Lester are the weakness of this team, then that's where uh, this team does get held back. And I think, you know, for being realistic about it, it's if you could, if you could sign the Cubs up right now for number three starter production from both of them, I think you take it. I think you take it and you run with it because neither of them has showed that ability to be just a consistent, solid number three level of starter uh, over the last season and a half. They both have had uh, times, stretches where they've pitched better than that, but they both have had stretches where they have pitched significantly worse than that, especially Lester. So I think that that's really what you have to expect from the two of them as a ceiling coming into this year. And if they can't pitch to that level, then maybe you start to look uh, to make uh, some changes, whether it is internally or trying to use uh, the little depth that this team does have in the organization and going externally, making a trade to bolster the starting rotation because there's a lot of good still on this team. They're going to hit. They're going to hit, certainly. Hester, Hester. (laughs) Uh, Hendricks and Darvish make a very nice one-two, even if it's not, you know, an elite one-two. It is still a, I think, a championship caliber one-two based on what the offense is going to do. But you need more depth behind them. You need a three and a four to be reliable. And if Lester and Quintana can't be those guys, then you might have to go hunting for it. So they're going to be really, I think, the fulcrum on which this team uh, decides to go one way or the other this season. Yeah, projections are not kind to either one of Quintana or Lester so. at this point. Uh, so I, I, I see that as kind of the, the Achilles heel of this team. As far as Chatwood, Mills, Cotton, that group vying for the number five starter spot go, do you have a favorite from that group? Do you have someone that you actually have some confidence in? Chatwood obviously has the highest ceiling. We saw it in Colorado. We saw it last year when the Cubs made him a full-time reliever, using him in a number of different situations. I thought Joe Madden, uh, for all the flack he took last year, did a really good job of putting Tyler Chatwood uh, in a position to succeed and putting the team then in a position to still get a lot out of that investment that they made in Chatwood before the 18 season. Um, He clearly has the highest ceiling of the three. He was going to start as the number five starter for the Cubs in real life. He will be the number five starter for me in our out-of-the-park simulation. And if he can take what he did well in the bullpen last year, leaning on his better pitches, not necessarily trying to get too bogged down in developing his his secondary stuff, leaning on those uh, to a point where maybe he becomes only a two-pitch pitcher, but he throws those two pitches very well cutting down on the walk, something that he did do as a reliever last year, then I think you can have a better than average fifth starter um, from Chatwood. Maybe Mills does feel like a more reliable guy, a guy who's not going to get lit up, a guy who doesn't have as wide a range of outcomes as Chatwood. But Chatwood clearly is the guy who should be inserted, I think, as the fifth starter to start the season because if he does perform to uh, the top of his abilities or you know 90% of what his uh, best realistic outcome is, then you have someone that's probably better than a fifth starter, not just an above average fifth starter, but maybe someone who's maybe more like a number four or a low end number three. So you got to give yourself that chance with Chatwood, especially with the deficiencies you know Lester and Quintana are coming into the season with. Let's uh, let's talk about the bullpen and closer situation. Uh, Craig Kimbrell had a miserable season in 2019. I didn't see anything like that coming. I don't think anyone could have. What do you expect from him 
in 2020. And if it is kind of the end for Craig Kimbrell as a dominant reliever to the point where he can't handle the ninth inning anymore, where do the Cubs turn next to finish out games? I mean, Kimbrell's got to be better than he was in 19, right? I mean, like you said, it was just a, a disaster from pretty much the moment the Cubs signed him. Right? This was this huge, splashy midseason signing. Kimbrell sitting on the sidelines for the first half of the year. They go out, they sign him. Uh, he's reunited with Theo Epstein. Everything's going to be great in the ninth inning for the Cubs. And then he was rarely, if ever, good for this team. Uh, had that uh, famous stretch at the end of the year where he uh, blew save after save after save uh, in what was like two weeks left in the season in September. A couple of one-run losses for the Cubs to the Cardinals that effectively ended their season and mathematically did eventually end their season. Uh, it was just a disaster from start to finish. I feel like he's got to be better, and I feel like this bullpen as a whole is going to be better this season, and I think that's going to help Kimbrell. I think if you can you know, lean on someone like Jeremy Jeffress, who they brought in in the offseason, Brad Wick and Rowan Wick, uh, two guys with the same last name spelled differently, uh, both look like reliable, usable pieces in the bullpen last year. I think you're going to be able to take some strain off of the ninth inning guys that just wasn't available to this team last season. So I think that's going to help Kimberl. I think, you know, I, you, you would have thought at least coming into the season that having a normal spring training was going to be someone, something that would help a veteran like him. Obviously, no one's going to have a normal spring training this year from a real life standpoint, but in the simulation, he's going to have that real, that regular normal spring training. And I think that plays to his benefit. So is he going to be that dominant closer that he was with Boston? I, I don't think so. I think that you're asking for way too much there, but can he be a league average closer? I would be surprised if he isn't. So uh, the Cubs have ways, the Cubs have places to turn to. I think Jeremy Jeffress would maybe get the first chance. Uh, maybe we'll see how healthy Brandon Morrow can be this year. But I would expect at least league average production out of Kimbrel as a closer. And there are more pieces to work in in middle and late relief that you can maybe take a little bit of the strain off him uh, in the early and middle part of the season. And you might find that some of the pitching prospects in the upper levels end up being fits uh, in the bullpen. I mean, Adbert Alzale maybe is a guy that takes on a prominent role in the pen or something. like mm -hmm. that, that wouldn't surprise me if, if it played out that way either. And I think the other fun thing, thinking about this from a sim perspective and how seasons typically go, relievers pop up, teams, DFA players, and you, you take the right flyer and you make the right adjustment and suddenly you have a guy that some other team couldn't quite solve and that guy's pitching the seventh inning on a championship caliber team and that's just something that happens over the course of a year happens every year some team right I mean it, multiple teams find relievers in the middle of a season maybe with someone who's already on their roster even right I mean that's why I think the smart teams uh, try to pick at the fringes uh, for bullpen development and you can't build an entire winning bullpen by doing that but you can certainly find the pieces that ultimately lead you to a very strong bullpen by doing that. Uh, bullpen is, uh, I think, a true reflection of a good bullpen is a true reflection of the sum being greater than the whole of its parts. And there are ways to find uh, reliable relievers, valuable relievers, without investing too much from a monetary perspective into them. And that lets you then do what? Build up your rotation, build up your offense, take some of the strain off of the bullpen, and I think that's something that the Cubs in real life were hoping to do this season, certainly something that me as the manager is hoping to do in the simulation. Yeah, I think that's where a manager has his greatest impact in a lot of ways, is handling the bullpen correctly, playing the matchups the right way. Uh, it runs through the entire like baseball operations department. It's not just the manager 
deciding on a whim what to do anymore, but just calculating how exactly to make the pieces fit as as well as they can and to still have fresh arms available for the next day and just balancing everything out is really a, an important part of the job. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think the Cubs are, are contenders in the NL Central, so I think you've got you've got a fun base to work with and you know, finding those tweaks and, and just figuring out the pitching, I think, is going to be your biggest challenge. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely, but I think you've got a pretty fun base to work with, too, in San Diego. Uh, this is an, an up-and-coming team, a team that uh, could certainly be building for the future. It feels like we get one of those teams, maybe not every year, but every other year, or you know, two out of every three years, that team that arrives one year earlier than expected. We see them building uh, what looks to be a team that is going to open up a contention window, and we expect it to happen in you know X plus one, and it happens in X. The Padres, I think, or a candidate to be that team this season. I'm interested to hear how you plan about going about building the Padres into maybe a 2020 contender. Yeah, I think there's a chance that I could just push chips in right away and actually have a team that's good enough to make the playoffs. I don't know. The Dodgers are so good. Yes. I don't know if I can make enough moves quickly enough to actually catch them and, and win the NL West. But thinking about this sim as a one-year exercise versus like a three-year, maybe even like a five-year exercise, like if we start getting some momentum, we might get through a few seasons somewhat quickly, you know, depending on how how we all pick up the game and everything. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to be I'm going to be aggressive with the pitching, especially like I want Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino pitching innings for the Padres in 2020. So now that I have control over it and out of the park, it's going to happen. Uh, you know, Chris Paddock's obviously locked in. Denelson the Mets locked in. A healthy Garrett Richards should be locked in as well. I, I kind of wonder if a six-man rotation is something that I have to do, uh, just because of the young pitchers and trying to figure out like how much, how much uh, limiting their workload is going to be important. Like I assume it's going to be factored in. So one way I might account for that is to uh, go ahead and bring those guys up right away, but make sure that I'm exercising a six-man rotation or using off days at least to to skip them on occasion to make sure that the innings count doesn't get too high because I want those guys to pitch in the playoffs if I get there too. I don't want to burn all their innings just to get into October only to turn back to Zach Davies and Joey Lucchese and some of the, the back-end starters who are you know good innings-eaters types but not necessarily the guys that you want to have out there in um, a clutch situation in October. If both those guys do stick in your rotation, then even if you go six guys, Davies or Lucchese is the odd man out. Uh, which one do you think it would be? To me, Lucchese could be interesting as a reliever with his stuff. Yeah, I like him as kind of a long reliever. I think the the fact that Gore would bring a left-handed presence to replace him makes me pretty comfortable going with just the one lefty in the rotation. I don't know if I'd want to go with all righty starters. Uh, I think that could be a bit of a problem, especially with some of the teams that could match up effectively with so many lefties. Uh, I just look at this as and say... Like the big you know, one in the division? Yeah, like the big, like the, the one, the, the really good one that crushes everything. Uh, but I think it's kind of like Lucchese versus Davies. Like Davies is high 80s deception in command and Lucchese is like bad command, but more deception than almost anybody in the big league. It's like, which which of those skill sets do I actually trust more? It's something I've thought about from, from a fantasy perspective, and now I'm thinking about it from this sort of like realistic sim perspective. I think I keep coming back to Davies as the slightly 
better option when it comes to floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if one of those guys is going to overshoot projections in a good way by you know full run in ERA and um, a, a significant gap in WHIP, I think Lucchese could be that guy because I think there are just a, a few strange ways he could get there. But the thing you have to remember in, in Sims like score sheet, like out of the park, like Strat like, innings matter a lot, and the quality of those innings does go a long way. And I'm just glad that I have a team that has starting pitching depth because we know injuries are going to happen. They happen in the sim. They happen in real life. In real life, And it's just a, it's such an important thing to have already built in. Like that's, that's one of the best luxuries you can have when you take over a franchise. I learned that from playing score sheet a few years ago too. Like I, the first year I played, I thought, oh, I just need five, maybe six starters. No one's going to get hurt. You need 10. <laughs> you need 10 <laughs> to get through a whole season. And I feel like the Padres are on the short list of teams who actually have ample starting pitching depth. Yeah, and I think Davies also that you lose a lot in the bullpen with him, right? Like, I mean, there's there is a realistic path to Lucchese being an impact reliever. I don't think Davies has that. So even if you were to think that it's it's not just a, a floor ceiling play in the rotation, I think it's a floor ceiling play in the bullpen as well. I just can't imagine a world in which Zach Davies is really a reliever that you turn to with a ton of confidence. Whereas the opposite is true of Joey Lucchese. Um, when we did the our the beat writer miniseries um, going through each team position by position or uh, division by division and talking about position battles. One thing that I talked about with Dennis Lynn, our great Padres beat reporter here is the outfield situation for the Padres. Obviously you're going to have Tommy Pham in there every single day, but a lot of other options that you have available in the outfield. I imagine Trent Grisham will be in there as a default uh, player. Also maybe Franchi Cordero, but there are a number of different ways you could go. How do you think you're going to deploy this outfield? I think I'm going to just accept the fact that Will Myers is under contract and I'm going to make him a small side platoon player. And if the way the sim plays out, he's back to the player he was a couple of years ago. I can tweak the playing time later. But I think one of Franchi or Josh Naylor will play over Will Myers a lot against righties. I think both guys are, are more exciting for different reasons. I'm actually probably higher on Josh Naylor than most people. Uh, I think he has been young for the level everywhere he's played in the minor leagues, and I think we saw it in the moves the Padres made already, You know, adding Pham, adding Grisham. They're prioritizing guys who can get on base. They're trying to add a few table setters to get on base and create opportunities for Machado and Tatis and the heart of the order bats to produce some runs. And I think Naylor kind of fits that better than Franchi, even though Franchi is a true stat cast darling. Like we talked about with Chris Bryant earlier, stat cast numbers there are ugly, but the performance was still really good last year. When we see Franchi Cordero on the field, he does these things that few players can do, but he's also just plagued by inconsistency. And I think he's more of a super utility guy mm-hmm. than a regular. And I think Josh Naylor is a good enough hitter to be a regular, even if he's a below average defender in a corner outfield spot. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair breakdown of those two guys. And I agree with uh, your your strategy for Will Myers that he's going to have to play. But uh, there are ways to make him more of a part-time guy than a full-time guy when you look at the breakdown of this roster. You mentioned that the Dodgers obviously going to be a very uh, tough team, probably an impossible team over a 162-game season to chase down, not only for the Padres, but really for any other team in the NL West. But let's just say we fast forward to the end of the season and you've done it. You've gotten the Padres into 
the postseason. Obviously, Tatis, Machado, Paddock, Lamette, these are guys who are going to have good years if that happens. Who would be the surprise player, do you think, from this team that we're looking at and being like, oh, you know, his big season is what was the X factor in getting the Padres to the postseason? I kind of think it has to be a Denelson Lamette type, right? Like, and probably specifically Denelson Lamette. But Garrett Richards (laughs) could also get back to the player he was pre Tommy John, and and that would go a long way. But I kind of think one of those guys, despite the pitching depth, has to be a really good number two behind Paddock. Because Mm -hmm. as much as I like Gore and Patino, they may struggle initially. Like that just happens sometimes. I mean, we saw. Forrest Whitley had a totally lost year and, and didn't even really make an impact in the big leagues last year. Uh, we've, we've seen plenty of young pitchers come to the big leagues, and that's the first place where they struggle. And it takes a half a season or even a full season sometimes for them to figure it all out and put all the pieces together. And with Lamette, like it's kind of interesting. I feel like in most draft rooms, I've been one of the lowest people in the room on his ceiling for 2020. I like him. Glad he's on my team for the sim, but at pick 120 or pick 140 in a snake draft, I don't think I'm going to get him that often, even though he brings a ton of strikeout potential to the table. Uh, We just haven't seen him actually get the results that he should get for someone with stuff that good during his parts of two different seasons now in the big leagues. I think it could happen in 2020, but it seems like less of a certainty to me than it is to a lot of other people. Well, if you want to talk about a Lamette trade in this out-of-the-park sim, <laughs> I would be open to that. We've already talked about my potential uh, rotation issues, and I am very high on Denelson Lamette. I think that all he needs is, is health, and that's that's quite a bit to ask, of course, especially for a guy who's had Tommy John in his uh, recent history. But uh, I, I really believe in what we've seen from him in those portions of seasons that he has put together sandwiched around the Tommy John surgery that cost him the entirety of the 2018 season. One more thing I want to ask you about uh, before we go here. The thing I've had the most fun with uh, in clicking through uh, the Cubs, and if you if you haven't uh, played out of the park at all, check it out. It is, I mean, even if we weren't desperate for anything baseball in our lives right now, it's a really cool program and a lot of fun for any baseball nerds out there. The thing I've had the most fun with is setting my team's overall strategy, the, the sort of team that I want to be uh, in terms of uh, our base running, how often, never, are we going to sack bunt, things like that, how we're going to play uh, defensively, how we're going to deploy when it comes to, to shifting or, or playing, in, playing the infield in. I've had a lot of fun messing around with that. Have you done that yet with the Padres? And, and whether you have or haven't, what do you think you're going to end up doing there? I just popped open that screen right now. I hadn't reached it just yet, and I'm so excited. Like The first thing I did as you were mentioning that is I just took the bunt slider and I went all the way to never, and then I picked it up again and made sure that I didn't even leave a little sliver of bunting on there. This team is never going to bunt ever under any circumstances. If somebody bunts, I will find a way to trade them or demote them. There will <laughs> gotta, be no bunting. You got to give them the the Lou Brown to Willie Mays Hayes speech at the beginning of uh, Major League, but instead of anytime he puts the ball in the air, it's ten push ups. It's anytime you bunt, it's ten push ups. I really hope that they never remake the Major League movies, but if they do, I hope they change some things about like, what we know about the game <laughs> compared to what we knew about the game when the movie was originally made. <laughs> like that would the, be great. Like I want like the, the Kent Murphy version of Lou Brown giving the speech to never bunt. That's what I want. If they if they decide to remake it, I don't want the remake. But if it happens, it has to be done that way. 
Oh, man, that would be excellent. The first thing I did was uh, um, step up our base running uh, aggressiveness because I feel like that is just the hidden value in baseball is the ability to go first to third on a single, first to home on a double, second to home on a single. Uh, you put the onus on the defense to have to make you know one perfect throw, whether it be first to third and you're forcing a right fielder to make a good throw to third base or two perfect throws if you're trying to go first to home on a double and nailing that relay. I think that teams can too often give the players credit that they're going to be able to field balls cleanly, make these throws, um, have that have that awareness uh, to uh, know exactly what, what what's going on with their back is to the play. Um, so I think there's a lot of hidden value in being able to run the bases smartly and aggressively at the same time. The Cubs did that excellently in the 2016 season when they won the World Series, and I want to get the team back to doing that. So uh, we're going we're gonna to be trying to first to third teams to death. We are not going to be doing any sack bunting. We're not going to be doing any intentional walking. We're not going to be using uh, an opener at all, uh, something that, while I understand the logic behind it, the baseball fan in me just hates it completely. So we're not going to be doing any sort of opening uh, in Chicago this season. Maybe the White Sox will. We can bring on George Washington, Ian Kahn uh, to talk about that since he's got the White Sox in this simulation. But on the north side of the city, there's not going to be any opener whatsoever. Uh, And we're going to get our team playing a very aggressive style of baseball. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I think our our managerial tendencies are going to be kind of similar. Uh, I was looking at what to do also in the event that some team is using an opener against me. Basing the lineup on the follower is the way I want to go. I don't want to be caught on my back foot because an opener, a left-handed opener came in to start the game, then a right-handed follower was there. I don't want to have my lineup to face that lefty out there against that righty, depending on you know how the matchups play out. As I look more closely at my roster, I may find that I have a lot of guys who are closer to neutral. Uh, but I think that would be the thing that I would look very carefully at depending on the makeup of each team. And, and that might change a little bit depending on the makeup of the roster. Isn't it so cool that this is uh, that this is something that's available to us? I mean, especially now, but really ever. I mean, really, this really lets you be in especially the manager's chair. I find fun. The uh, if, you know, if I had to pick I, I, it's fun to be able to do both. But if I could only pick one, I think I'd rather be in the manager's chair than the GM chair. Let the let that guy, you know, like if I could contact Theo Epstein, I, I would let him stay on and be my my GM and just let me be David Ross and, and just be the guy making all the tweaks, making the tactical level adjustments and uh, I'll let I'll let him worry about roster deployment. I like I like that uh that you have that that position, I kind I prefer the opposite. Like I, I would like I being the manager is great, but I actually would prefer if I could only do one job to be the GM. And I think it's just more my nature to to put the pieces in place and um, let somebody who's a better tactician than me kind of execute the plan. Right, get the right people in place, get the roster in place, get the baseball ops people organized, and and then let the manager kind of put it all together. Should we submit this podcast to any teams that are out there looking for a new GM and manager going into the 2021 season? Yeah, this this will get it done. <laughs> is this uh, our this, resume right here? This is very convincing. <laughs> well, it depends how we do in our, our sim. You know, if, uh, if the Padres do make the playoffs, if the Cubs make the playoffs, and, and one of our teams wins the World Series, then I think we've, we've at least done something to uh, advance our cause. Yeah, well, we could get the uh, we could get a Cubs Padres uh, NLCS, and I can um, I can you know, get some uh, some thirty five years later revenge for all the Cubs fans who lived through uh, nineteen eighty four and had to watch what they thought was going to be a World Series team go down uh, to the Padres in the NLCS that season. 
yeah the padres are are rarely the the enemy of, of anyone so yes, that's true <laughs> it's amazing that there's any bad blood but not surprising you have to go back uh, almost 30 years to find it yeah i don't I, I don't feel it but i'm sure there are there are some cubs fans uh who are still alive who, who feel that animus toward the padres so maybe i could exact a little bit of revenge for them yeah as long as you can do that you've done well <laughs> But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm probably going to be active trying to make some trades this weekend. Maybe I will actually trade a little bit of my starting pitching depth and try to get an upgrade somewhere. Maybe I can unload Eric Hosmer's contract on someone. That seems impossible. If I pull that off, that's uh, borderline just magic, I think, at this point. Is Uh, Bill O'Brien in this league? (laughs) That's my goal. (laughs) Find find the GM in the league most like Bill O'Brien and (laughs) trade that GM, Eric Hosmer, and find a way to get it you know what it's the team doesn't have a lot of big financial commitments so i'm actually not that worried about it it's he's a fine play if you were paid eight million dollars a year i don't think anyone would would bat an eye like he's just a just a guy that's a I think you like okay him eight million a year yeah he might be might even might even be a good thing at yeah. eight million a year but they got enough cl- uh, club control players cheap players league minimum guys that it more than offsets it so i don't like that they have him as much mo- as long as they do for that price but they're position to kind of get away with it you can find us on twitter he's at m beller i'm at Derek van riper this podcast is available on itunes spotify pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts now so if you're listening on a platform you could leave us a rating and review we'd greatly appreciate it hopefully uh, you're going to check out out of the park baseball 21 the cool thing is you can play by yourself you don't have to set up a league with 10 12 15 friends you can actually play alone you can choose manager or gm or both as the role choose any team you can play old seasons you can play the current season it's a blast so a huge thank you to out of the park for uh, giving us an opportunity to play this game because it's going to be a lot of fun for all of us Uh, if you'd like a subscription to the athletic you can get 40 percent off at theathletic.com slash fantasy baseball podcast and if you uh, are not really sure about it we have a 90 day free trial right now so be sure to check that out as well if uh, you're on the fence about it and just want to check out all the great content that our staff is producing we've got a staff of over 400 people we're still making podcasts we're still writing articles and telling stories hopefully we can all work through this very difficult time together and offer up some escape uh, through sport the athletic fantasy baseball podcast returns on monday for michael beller i'm Derek van riper have a great weekend Thank you.